And then, dear friends in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this is a little strange, isn't it? But uh, I think as I tell a joke, um, it'll probably land just as well as it normally does. So, it'll be good. I got one laugh out of Barb over there, so that's, that's a plus for me. But to those of you who are joining us, either live streaming or on the radio, we are continuing to work on ourselves in our faith through the Red Letter Challenge, a 40-day devotional following the words of Jesus, which in many Bibles are highlighted using red letters. We're challenging ourselves to, to deepen our faith and our relationship with God and with one another, not so that we can be more holy or be better than anybody else, but to deepen our relationship with God and one another. It has no, all, no other ulterior motives. It's just to grow in our faith. And you know, amid the, the scares and all of the worries of this world, we continue on. Just because we are in isolation and are quarantined, we still worship. We don't stop because God doesn't stop. But yet, in this life, that doesn't mean there aren't any worries. And as we think about it, it's not just the coronavirus that's a worry, but what about those people who have to live paycheck to paycheck? Those, those parents who don't know if they can feed their own children, those people who can't fix the problems in their homes, the, the people who can't afford to miss a day of work, or the people who are suffering from deathly illnesses. The worries of life are consistent. But yet many times we as Christians, rather than speaking love to these people, tell them to just trust God more. You don't have enough faith. You don't trust God enough. But yet in these troubling times, we need to listen to our world. We need to learn from our world so that we might effectively speak grace to the world. Because people are terrified. But we do not live in terror. We do not live in fear. We live in grace. Grace is where we find our being. It is our foundation for times of worry, knowing how God has, has rescued us from sin, from death, from the devil, so that we might live and walk with people of all walks of life. When we first looked at the Red Letter Challenge, it introduced us to our being in God which as I reflected on it, begins with the waters of holy baptism, where God makes us new people. The old self drowns and dies, the new self rises out of the water, and we are made new. And this is all given to us to then forgive our sins, which that was the second thing that we addressed and focused upon in the Red Letter Challenge, was forgiveness. First and foremost in that forgiveness was to seriously stop and look at our sins and those things that, that separate us from God. We also see by looking at our sins the problem that this, the, the problem that we have, that this problem of sin cannot be solved by our works. The unfortunate reality is that sin is only solved by death. And yet the author of reality, God himself, is the one who takes our death. That's not fair. 
It's not fair to him. It's not fair to us. It's, it's not just. But it is grace. It is pure righteousness that he declares us forgiven. And as we rise from the waters of holy baptism, as we receive the forgiveness of the cross of Christ, we change. Our hearts and minds are no longer so selfishly focused, but rather begin to turn outwards. But yet without challenging or pushing ourselves, we don't get any better. And of course, this this isn't easy. It isn't easy because it is a challenge to push yourself in your faith. It's a challenge to force yourself to get into good habits. It's a challenge to pray because really at first when you might pray, you might feel like you're speaking to no one. You might seem like you have have voices in your head or something like that, as, as terrible as that can be. You wonder, how do I appear to the people around me? But as you grow and walk, you find that there is great change happening. But yet, even in the midst of that change, there's still sin. There's still this problem of sin that I thought we got rid of. I thought that was the whole point of Christ dying for us, was to get rid of this problem of sin. And so shouldn't it be easier now that we're free? Well, this is why I continually go back to St. Paul in Romans 17. The good stuff that I want to do, I'm not doing it. The bad stuff that I want to avoid, I keep doing it. This is St. Paul who is one of the greatest people of the church who did so much work for for our church and for his people to, to proclaim the mighty gospel and even he fights with sin. If we had to proclaim somebody as righteous, especially in their walk of faith and their service to God, it would probably be Paul, second to Jesus maybe. But yet even Paul struggles. Which is why in this new identity, in this being, we seize more firmly to the cross of Christ. We rise more joyously with Christ from that empty tomb. Because it is in that reality that we can continue to be God's child. And that means that when we are bombarded by sin and temptation, we can go to him. It means that when we fall into sin and temptation, when we fail, we can go to him. But yet the key to reflect on today is that even when we walk away free from sin, we cannot do it apart from him. We must go with him. When we reflect on this week of serving, I think a great way to also look at this is how do we walk with God? Because we're not doing this for God to try and persuade him to do things for us. All right, God, if I help this homeless guy, you're going to give me a new car or something silly like that. But we are walking with him. He has forgiven us and freed us and invited us to partner with him in the ministry of the gospel. A very humbling thing if you ask me. But it has its own unique challenges. Sometimes it separates us from our loved ones. Many out in the world think that we're fools. Sometimes we even see the the great evil of persecution and hatred and even death. 
as the martyrs suffered death for their faith, for their walk with God. It's a challenge, and it's not easy to do. And as we reflect on this, we begin by looking at Scripture. We begin by looking at what God has done with his people Israel. As we look at Exodus chapter 19, we see Moses meeting with God at Sinai, his holy mountain. But this is right after God had worked all of his power in Egypt and led his people out and led them from Egypt to this mountain for one main reason, so that these people could be his people. You see, at Sinai, we see where Israel becomes God's children. Israel becomes God's people. And while we hear them being given rules and regulations, stipulations, we hear that in Exodus, we hear it in Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I mean, really, we hear it throughout Scripture. All of these rules that the people have to follow. But they are given these rules because of the high standard that God is setting for them to walk in. And he wants them to be a new nation, a very special nation And as we hear today, specifically, a nation that is holy. A nation that is a kingdom of priests. And a priest is one who serves God and serves man as a faithful representative. But as we look at the history of the people of Israel, they fail terribly in this. They fail so tragically in this. The book of Judges is is so difficult to read because of how far they fall, that they just simply forget. But yet, God never gave up on them, never forgot that he made them his holy people, because they, as his holy people, led the way for him to enter into our reality as one of us, to be born of Mary, to rise, to grow, to teach, to preach, to heal, and ultimately Jesus goes to the cross, takes our place, and rises from the grave to bring us life. This royal priesthood brings that deliverance. See, even in walking with God, God can even work through our faults and our failures, even the evils of this world. God is at work. This is his creation. We are his people. And we should delight in that. Because Peter certainly delights in it. As we read in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter picks up on the same language that we hear in the book of Exodus, that we are now the royal priesthood, the holy nation, a chosen race, a people for his own possession. Again, not so that we can be better than anybody else, but it is the unique reality of being God's child. And so why has God done this for us? What, what is the, the purpose of it all? And it's, as Peter says, so that we can proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So why have you been made new in the waters of holy baptism? So that you can proclaim the gospel message of salvation. That you've been called from death to life, from darkness to light. Why have you been forgiven? 
to proclaim, to preach these excellent things that God has done. But importantly for today, it is to be God's people and to walk with him in this life of faith. But how? How do we do that? Peter gives more advice by abstaining from the passions of the flesh or in a little more modern sense that we're to stay away from those desires that are going to pull us back into sin. We're to push those things away from us, to turn from them, to get away from them, to turn into a new life. Notice how this life of proclaiming the gospel begins with repentance, with change. But then it continues, not beating people over the head with scripture, but living honorably among all people. Living honorably among the Gentiles, which Gentile is just a word that means the nations. Living honorably among people. This is how we proclaim the gospel. But even look at what Peter says. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to, uh, or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Peter tells us to be subject to authority. We as Americans don't really like that. This, this nation was founded on the fact that we didn't really want to have a king bossing us around. And even my sinful heart hates being bossed around. But to proclaim the gospel, Peter tells us to be subject to authority. And then last but not least, do not use your freedom to do whatever you want. That's a proclamation of the gospel as well. Notice how this proclamation of the gospel is simply just your walk of life. You're not doing anything crazy or ridiculous. You are just walking as God would have you walk. And if we go out and sin freely and then come back knowing that we'll be forgiven, that proclaims a different kind of gospel, a false gospel, one that is a lie. Because the true gospel is where we honor everyone, where we love the brotherhood of believers, where we fear God, where we honor the emperor, which in our case, the president and the government, this is how we walk as a child of God. This is how we serve him. This is how we serve others. This is how we preach the gospel. Of course, easier said than done, right? How do you honor people? Especially during this time when we turn on the news and we see people ravaging the stockpiles of toilet paper. We see people hoarding sanitary supplies who are then reselling it at a higher price to make a profit. How do you honor somebody like that? Loving the brothers and sisters in the faith, that's quite a challenge too. Because we're a ton of broken individuals trying to gather together and be a united family. We are all people who are addicted to our sin and like addicts are fighting to break away from it. And it is not a pretty sight when that happens. You're called to fear God. But it's hard to fear God when, when life feels so lonely. 
It's sometimes hard to see God at work, to see his power displayed that we might truly honor and respect him. And then honor the emperor, or in our case, the government, that's pretty hard. We have news channels dedicated to just ripping apart our government, things that we ourselves feed into. But yet Jesus, in our gospel lesson, calls us to stand out. That we are to stand out like a salty flavor stands out. Stand out like light in the midst of darkness stands out. You are called to stand out in your walk with God. And to stand out in your walk with God means that you honor everyone, that you love the brotherhood, that you fear God, that you honor the government. That you stand out. Because as we reflect on the challenge of representing God, our walk with him, our service to him and with him, this is how we represent him to the world. We need to honor and serve God by honoring people. But how many times have we said awful things about people even in our own families, even our own spouses, even our best friends. Honor and serve God by honoring the government and respecting the government. But again, how many times have we all said something disrespectful and dis- or dishonoring things about our government? Sure, we might have freedom of speech, but also with God we have freedom of speech. As James calls us out, how do we use our speech? How do we tame our tongues? Every little bit of our walk with life, uh, our walk, excuse me, every little bit of our walk with God in our lives will either positively or negatively represent him. This is intimidating. This is this is scary. But that's also why you're not alone. While, again, physically we might seem separated at the moment, we are together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And as Peter reminds us from his letter today, you were rescued from darkness and brought into his light. As Jesus reminds us at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, I am with you always. And while quarantine is happening, we are with one another. And as as scripture itself reminds us that we are to admonish one another, not to be jerks about it, but to call one another out to be better or to pray for one another. You know, if this world actually would see us praying, it might reflect on us quite differently. The challenge then to represent God faithfully begins in our family. Begins first with our Father in heaven who gives us his son Jesus for salvation and then blesses us to be brought into the family. And in this holy family we grow in grace, we grow in forgiveness, we grow in our walk with God. But be careful and be warned Because the world is watching. 
And so many out there are waiting to find fault in you and to discount you and to discount God's holy gospel. And so as Paul reminds the Corinthians, glorify God in your bodies. And as I would call you today, glorify God in your walk with him. Amen, dear brothers and sisters in Christ.